Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. All right, so today we're going to look at uh, three separate verses, uh, but very short verses. The first one is Paul at the end of the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, These are short. You can just listen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. A command. Be strong in the Lord. Another passage. This is Luke speaking about Jesus when He was a boy. He says, Luke 2, verse 40. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. So the first passage we looked at, be strong in the Lord. The second passage, Jesus grew and became strong. Excuse me. A few verses later, Luke 2, verse 52. This is right after the story of Jesus getting separated from his family on this pilgrimage trip to Jerusalem. He was 12 years old. He's hanging out in the temple Um, talking with the teachers of the law. And then right after that it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So I'm going to talk to you today briefly about the seven habits of a strong disciple. All right, seven habits of a strong disciple. Now it's not exactly seven habits. Uh, It's more like seven areas of our lives where we should be having some goals, and some consistent habits, okay? These are seven areas where we should be seeing increase and growth, gradually getting stronger in these seven areas of our lives, all right? So what I want to do is try to inspire you in as we come into this year ahead to be thinking, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me about what my journey of growth should look like in 2024, So I'd encourage you to take some notes. There's going to be some things for you to go away and think about, pray through. Uh, But let's pray before we go any farther. Father, thank you so much that you are with us. Your Holy Spirit is here. You want to speak very clearly to us. God, I pray that you would begin to speak to us about what is uh, coming. And Lord, I ask that you would speak very clearly and give us insight in These seven areas, what are you requiring of us? What are you saying? Father, we want to give you our absolute best. We don't want to leave anything on the table in terms of our growth and our capacity for growth over this next year. So Lord, help us speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for uh, for seven years, uh, before Liz and I and our family moved here to plant this church at the end of 2020, mid-COVID, For the previous seven years, uh, I had a business and I was mentoring property investors and business owners. And every year I would have 60 new clients that would come on board and they would pay anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 for one year of training and mentoring. Okay, so they'd go through, they'd have some material that they'd work through and then I would coach and mentor them one-on-one. They would invest anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 to do that. And I was able to 
help them grow significantly in that year, not primarily because I was a great mentor or coach, but because they had invested so much and they were so hungry and determined to grow, it was actually very easy to work with them. But one of the things that stands out about that season is how amazing it is looking back on that, that people were willing to invest so much personally in their own goals and desire to grow. And I think it's helpful for us as Christians to sometimes reflect on how, um, how there are people in the world who will sometimes put us to shame in what we are willing to, uh, in, in what they are willing to invest in their own journey of growth. And I, and I, I wonder how do we have that same level of passion and commitment to our own personal development? You know, Jesus said something like that. The people of the world tend to be much more shrewd at times than the people of God. I think this is a great example. And so it would it would be helpful for us to to challenge ourselves to lift our expectation of what is possible in the year ahead. I remember this prophetic word from Steve a few weeks ago where he talks about. He, he said, limit God less and limit yourself less. It was like this word of God to us specifically to limit ourselves less. And our capacity and what we're able to do and achieve for God in our life is very tied to our own journey of discipleship and personal growth. Of all the people in the world, we should be the most committed people to growth. Amen. Amen. And so Paul gives us a very good starting place in this discussion when he says to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Why? This was Ephesians 6. Remember the context, because there is an, a spiritual enemy and you are in a spiritual battle. But when Paul says be strong, it doesn't sound very much like a suggestion. It sounds a whole lot like a command. And when we're given a command, we have an, an option, right, to either obey or disobey. In other words, there's this sense where the power to be strong is in our hands. Be strong. If there's a command, then we have a choice to either be strong or to be weak. Uh, we see this all over Scripture, this command to be strong. In fact, I heard one preacher say that there are, it's a little bit cheesy, but I'll, I'll go with it anyway. There are 31 commands in the Bible to be strong. One command for every day of the, the month. So it doesn't matter what day of the month it is, God is saying, be strong. I know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit cringe. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you anyway. But how do we obey that command? How do we become strong? We don't just wake up one day and find ourselves strong. There is a process that we go through. So it's not so much a choice to be strong, but it's a choice to commit ourselves to a process of becoming strong. I remember watching the uh, 1984 Summer Olympics on TV. I was about 10 years old. Uh, I was nine turning 10. And I remember because it was in Los Angeles and it was a big deal in America at the time. Uh, the Soviet Union was boycotting the Olympics. It was the height of the Cold War. Uh, they were paying us back because we boycotted the Moscow Olympics in 1980. But it was the year that um, 
Uh, Carl Lewis won like four gold medals, and Mary Lou Retton, who was this four foot nine inch gymnast, who four foot nine inches, I kid you not, who won like she was the first American to win all American gold. It was a lot easier because the, the Russians weren't there, but anyway, um, we were celebrating that. But I remember being in awe of not just the events, what I loved more than anything was watching the little vignettes, the stories in between the events where they would share the stories of the athletes. And what always stood out to me was their process and journey of becoming great in what they were, uh, their sport that they were committed to. So they all of them had these stories of being up early in the morning, going through the grind every day, training for hours every day, pushing themselves, this insane work ethic. And, and they were super inspiring. But one of the things that I think I took away from that was this realization that these people who had these public victories, those only came after they had a repetition every day, day after day of private victories, of discipline, uh, of development, and of working over and over and over again these habits in their life that led to growth. And so we see this in Jesus' life. That second passage we read says that the child grew and became strong. That word became speaks of a process. Do you know that Jesus went through a process of growth in his own life? He didn't just instantly say, I'm strong now. Because he had laid aside his rights and privileges as God. He was a man. He, he laid aside his privileges as divinity. And he had to become strong in the Lord. Now, this is a time uh, of year where many people set New Year's resolutions. Anybody been thinking about New Year's resolutions? So it's like, what are those? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, the problem is that, is that the success rate for New, New Year's resolutions are, is not very good. Uh, according to a study from 2016, of the 41% of people who, of Western society who make New Year's resolutions, only about 9% feel that they are successful in keeping them by the end of the year. Right? Most people just, off to a great start, but you know, by the time February rolls around, eh, not doing so well there. And this is why gym memberships, uh, gyms oversell memberships at the beginning of the year because they're counting on you having a New Year's resolution and then not following through with that. If, if you did follow through, then they would be in trouble, their gym would be overcrowded, and they, but they know statistically that most people are not going to follow through. So setting goals and having resolutions is not enough to grow and improve ourselves. Um, there, there's a great book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. Put this one on, on your list for the year. So in this book, he talks about how goals are good, but habits are better. Goals might be a good starting point, but habits is what you really need. And here's what he says. He says, winners and losers have the same goals. What makes the difference between winners and losers is having a system of habits and committing to the process. Now, earlier this year, I uh, received a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, this was about, thank you very much, this was about five years of consistent Training And I reckon, thinking back, I put in probably over 1,200 hours of work to get that purple belt. But the reason why I bring it up is that this 
has become an illustration for me in my life of what James Clear talks about, which is a biblical principle. He calls it the 1% rule. Now, we tend to think that in our lives, we need to make these large jumps of increasing growth, and it happens in a short amount of time. But he's saying, no, no, no. Um, that's not how we tend to grow. That's some of the, the case. Growth typically is always small and incremental. And it must happen consistently in our life. And so the idea of the 1% rule is that if you will determine through habits to get 1% better every day at something, you're not going to see a whole lot from one day to the next of improvement. But at the end of the year, because of the compounding of getting 1% better, you will be 38 times better than you were at the beginning of the year. How amazing is that? And I saw this so clearly in, in training jiu-jitsu because I would show up and at the beginning it was so awkward. Like, it's awkward enough rolling around on mats with other blokes and, and even more awkward when it's a girl that you've got to roll around on the mat with. Right? And it's sweaty and you don't even know what you're doing and you don't know the technique and you're just getting like, like just ragdolled, right? Thrown around. It's very uncomfortable. It's very humbling. And you, you, you feel very awkward. And that continues and continues. Like Nathan, you've been training recently, right? Like it's for a couple months now and it still feels very awkward. Like, but then there comes this point where it's like you've broken through something and you look at you like, wait a minute. I can see some growth. Like I'm actually figuring this out. Like I'm making some progress here. And then you just keep going and you keep showing up and you keep showing up and it's just the 1% every single day. And then 18 months later, they gave me a blue belt, which basically says that uh, you should be able to defend yourself effectively against an untrained opponent, right? So you should, you should be able to, to look after yourself. But that took 18 months, that process. But it's a great picture in every area of our life of what growth looks like. Every day, just getting 1% better. Now, in this third passage of Scripture that we read, we can see there were four areas where Jesus grew stronger through his private habits. It says Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and favor with man. So he grew in wisdom. We can break that down into a few different things. He grew in stature. There was an element of his physical development, his health. He grew in favor with God spiritually, and he grew in favor with people uh, relationally. And so it gives us a really good kind of starting point for trying to figure out what are the areas of my life as a follower of Jesus that discipleship touches? Where are the areas that I should be growing in our lives? What should I be, where should I be looking to apply habits in my life? Now, what I want to do is I want to give us seven areas, and I'm going to work through these pretty quickly. I mean, each one of these could be a sermon or a message or a talk in, in and of itself. Uh, I'm going to give you seven, not four, because I think wisdom we can break down into four different areas of our life because wisdom is actually the application of knowledge and we can kind of break that down into four different areas. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot here, but in a short amount of time. So what I ask you to do is listen for the nudge from the Holy Spirit. 
Because if you, if you say, I'm going to try to tackle all seven of these in 2024, you're going to feel very overwhelmed. You might be able to say, okay, I'm going to have one habit in each of these seven areas. Or you might just say, I'm going to pick three or four. Or it might just be only one. And that would be okay. But the point is, is we want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to each of us and begin to develop a bit of a plan. But what do habits look like in this area? So are you ready? Habit number one. Habits that lead to spiritual increase. Jesus grew in favor with God. He grew closer to God as his father. There is nothing more important in our life than relationship with God as our father. And in Jesus' life, there were spiritual disciplines that we can see that we must have in our own lives as followers of Jesus. This is Discipleship 101. This is non-negotiable. Every one of us must, in 2024, commit to a daily time with God, and I'll say ideally in the morning, and keep it daily for the rest of your life. This is non-negotiable. Every single one of us, if we're followers of Jesus, must have a daily time with God in the Word and in prayer. Now, if you're just starting out, that might just be 20 minutes. And I would encourage you to come to it with a basic framework of, I'm going to spend half my time in the Word, and I'm going to spend half my time in prayer. If, if you don't have a consistent discipline like that, just begin with 20 minutes. If you do have a consistent discipline, what does it look like to take it to the next level? I would encourage you to build to an hour. Jesus, to his disciples, just said, could you not pray with me one hour? We should all be building towards a discipline of spending time with God every day that goes from discipline to this sense of delight. I mean, in my life, I, I can't, I, I've done this almost every day for 27 years. And when I first started out, I just had this little devotional book and it would take me through guided prayers and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a great little app, Lectio 365. Download that. Guided prayers and passages of scripture, questions. There's so many different devotionals you can use. I just posted a uh, daily Bible reading plan on our Telegram channel You can uh, or group. You can check that out. If you're not in our Telegram group, you can just talk to us. We'll tell you how to get on there. But just have some kind of framework for spending time with God every day. Sometimes it'll feel amazing. You'll have an encounter with God. The Holy Spirit will show up and it'll be, it'll be incredible. Others days, it'll feel about like taking vitamins. <laughs> like, I know this is doing something for me. I know it's helping me. I'm just going to be faithful and keep, keep doing this, right? It, we have highs and lows in our own journey and pursuit of God. doesn't matter. What we're looking for is the 1% rule in our life. We want to be 38 times closer to God by the end of the year as we are now. And so my focus for the year is I want to uh, not only go through the Bible again in 2024, but I want to journal more. I want to do better. I want to in improve the quality of my time with God. Be more diligent to hear what he's saying from the word and writing that down. I also want to focus on growing in prayer. I've got a list of books I want to read on prayer for this year. So habits that lead to spiritual increase. Number two, habits that lead to relational increase. Strong relationships. Jesus grew in favor with man. He had this capacity to relate deeply with people in an increasing way. He invested himself in 
relationships. And so this is the second most important discipline, habit in our life, is to cultivate strong relationships with other people. Now, we live in a culture where that's not particularly easy. It's easy to become isolated and become busy with all these things, and we, we live far apart. We hardly even talk to our neighbors. It's, we have to fight and battle to live in community. But I want to encourage you to think through some habits. What would it look like to invest in relationships? A few key areas. Number one, your natural family relationships. If you are married, investing in the, your relationship with your spouse and your children. If you are not married, you are a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister, uh, uh, investing in those relationships. These are some of our most covenantal relationships. All right? So maybe that looks like a date night, men, with your wife. Maybe that looks like a family day. Maybe that looks like just picking up the phone and calling, you know, having a, a better discipline of, of cultivating relationship. Second is church family relationships, right? Investing in covenant family, uh, you know, a life group, finding a place to serve, picking up the phone. Uh, I remember someone told me early as a Christian, I need three types of relationships in my life. I need a, a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. I need someone who's a Paul that's speaking into my life like Paul did into Timothy's life, like a spiritual parent. I need a Barnabas who was a peer to Paul, who's someone that, that is like, on this, you know, we're, we're going on this journey together. We're walking this thing out together. It's someone we can, you know, iron sharpens iron. And then a Timothy that's in my life. I'm pouring my life into. Uh, this, this habit for you in 2024 might look like taking up the mantle to make a disciple. To invest in the relationship of discipleship in somebody else's life. Another realm of relational habits we should have is uh, cultivating relationship with people that are far from God. Jesus was a friend of sinners. So what does it look like to have a, a habit in your life of culting the, cultivating those types of relationships? What's the Holy Spirit highlighting out of all that we've said there? Third would be habits that lead to physical health. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's gone from preaching to meddling now. We don't get much of a rundown from Jesus' life of what His disciplines look like here, right? But... Um, he lived at a time when the overflow of how you lived, you walked everywhere, they ate very clean because, right, there were no processed foods. It, just, it was, you know, it was a different way of life. But in our culture, we need to be very deliberate and intentional about maintaining and growing in health. It's very easy for us to live these sedentary lifestyles and we have this overabundance of processed foods and it's quick and it's easy um, and, and that's a bad combination. The goal, let me say this, of our habits in this area is not to conform to some outward standard of how we should look. All right, this is very important. We're not trying to conform to a worldly standard of beauty. I'm not wanting to feel better. I have a, a, a higher sense of identity than how I feel about myself when I look in the mirror, Right? Jesus wants to free us from the insecurity and the comparison and the over-infatuation um, with our physical appearance. But He does want us to be mindful about our health because um, I think He wants two things in our life. He wants energy and He wants longevity. And this should be our two primary goals with our health. We, we don't want to live our lives being tired all the time. Because we're filling our body with junk and we're just sedentary. And, and we don't want 
uh, to die before our time. Because this is where the action is. This is, planet Earth is where the spiritual battle is happening. When you die and go to heaven, it's going to be amazing, but you're going to become a part of the great cloud of witnesses who are doing what? Watching planet Earth, where the kingdom of God is advancing. And so there's a call of God upon our lives that can be cut short. I was thinking about R.C. Sproul, one of the greatest, one of my favorite theologians. Uh, he, he smoked like two packs of cigarettes a day, right? <laughs> and uh, so good, I know, Dolly, you're like, stop preaching. I'm not, I'm not this is not directed towards you, all right? <laughs> Listen, smoking will not keep you out of heaven. It might just get you there sooner, right? <laughs> But he died in his early 60s. Lung cancer. No kidding. Right? And I wonder how much more could this man have accomplished? How much more should have been written? How much more? You know, but his life was cut short. So uh, I'm reading this great book. And, and I can't spend a lot of time on this. And I'd love to give you all the statistics. But I'm reading a great book. If, if you want to go deeper, there's a book I'm reading now called Outlive. Uh, by Dr. Peter Atia. You might have seen his... Uh, videos on YouTube. You can YouTube and Peter Atia. Um, but he talks about the, the four enemies of longevity. He calls them the, the four horsemen. Type 2 diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's. And the people that the, live the longest avoid these things. Now, he makes the point that some people just have better genetics, right? Just the reality. Unfair advantage. But he also says that there are lifestyle factors that can add one or two or three decades to our life if we start early, if we are begin investing in this and thinking through this and, and staying on top of this. So read the book. A few quick things. I mean, it's the obvious. He says, remove damaging or dangerous lifestyle behaviors. <laughs> Number two. Exercise, both resistance training and cardio, right? We should all have these disciplines. Nutrition, just decreasing sugar and white, you know, white flour, starchy carbs goes a long way. Minimal alcohol. Go, this, these, are the, these are the basic, simple things. I know it's extremely difficult because these things are addictive, right? Like, and they're comfort foods. We go to them for comfort. But do we really want to go to food for comfort or do we want to go to food for fuel for energy and for longevity. Okay? This is what we're building on. Remember, 1% better every day. Uh, sleep. Seven to eight hours of sleep every day. These are just the basics. All right? There's a connection between consistent lack of sleep, too little sleep, and early death. Primarily through the gateway of, um, of our ability, our body's ability to process sugars. He goes into it in this book. But sleep is extremely important. Also cognitive function, right? Sleep's very important. All right, we'll move on. As I'm, I'm, I'm feeling people want to walk out of the room already. <laughs> Habits that lead to intellectual increase. All right, so this is, when we, this is where we start breaking down the wisdom elements, all right? Wisdom requires that we increase in knowledge that can be applied in our lives. So... The number one way to grow our intellect is by reading, reading books. All right? Reading books increases our vocabulary. It, it improves memory and focus. It improves analytical thinking. It even slows our cognitive decline 
as we continue to read throughout our life. It keeps the mind sharp. And so uh, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, talks about um, having the discipline of reading just 20 minutes every day. May not seem like much, but at, by the end of the year, that's 120 hours of reading. Just a little discipline every day, a little habit. And so I was thinking back, I've read, I think, 15 different books this year, and I, I, I should be reading so much more. I, I actually probably, I've been able to do that because I, I tackle most of those through audiobooks while we're working out at the gym, all right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I've listened to like six different Chris Bowden books just working out in the gym. Love it. And I don't know, a list of other, other books. But whatever you have to do to combine different habits in your life, do that. You know, making the most of our time. So what would it look like for you to strengthen your reading habits in 2024? Number five, habits that lead to emotional health. All right, emotional health is related to our self-awareness, knowing the triggers that, that provoke us to anger or cause us to fly off the handle, being able to regulate our emotions in stressful times. Um, emotional health is connected to our resilience, being able to, to bounce back from uh, or recover from a setback. Uh, it's tied to empathy and good communication, you know, having balance in different parts of our, our lives. But all of us come into a relationship with God with these things lurking in the shadow of our soul. Most of them from family of origin issues or experiences we've had with people, you know, maybe abuse or other things that have happened in our life. These are the shadows that are in our soul that, that war against our emotional health. Uh, I remember when, you know, reading this Instagram post that Carl Lentz posted, he was the, the pastor of Hillsong, New York, and he had this moral failure, and he, he posted this very remorseful, very humble um, statement on, uh, on social media that was very revealing. He said that he failed because he stopped refilling his own soul. He, he, he tried to lead out of an empty place. These were the things that he was saying. And when I was looking at it, I started to think through his life and he, he, he had this because and, and I know because I have this tendency in my own life right we can receive these dopamine hits from different things in life that get us through and I was thinking about how you know he had the the dopamine hit every week of speaking to the large crowd and then COVID hits locked down and and, and, and he loses that and without this Emotional health and awareness and recognition and refueling of his own soul, he found himself subconsciously looking for uh, that dopamine hit somewhere else and falling into uh, a sin that, that pretty much wiped out his ministry and his credibility for quite a while. One of the habits that Olivia and I incorporated year before last that we've never done before is we go regularly to see uh, a counselor, a psychologist, and we'll sit down. And, you know, when you're early days of planting the church, you know, it wasn't particularly easy. And it's very hard when people leave the church and you're trying to process through why and what's, what was going on. Is there something wrong with me? And just having someone to talk that out with and to, and, and those things really became triggers for things that came to the surface in our own marriage. Right? So having someone to talk that through with. Now, 
Even before we had the budget for paying a counselor, we had pastors in our life that we could sit with and talk through things with and unpack our soul. Uh, I regularly, we meet with Steve Cawthorn, who's like a spiritual director in our lives. We can, we, you know, we can open up our soul to, and he asks us difficult questions. So habits of emotional health. Number six, habits that lead to financial increase. How we handle our money is an important indicator of uh, to what degree we are exercising the wisdom of delayed gratification. Have we all, we've all felt that in our life, right? Like regretted that purchase, that thing that we <laughs> spent money on. The retail therapy, it felt so good to my soul to purchase that and now I, I regret it. Um, don't have time to go into this one. A great book that you could read is The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. If you want to go, uh, go a little bit deeper on this. He talks about the basic habits of budgeting, giving the tithe, saving an emergency fund, eliminating consumer debt, investing for retirement. Very few of us grew up in a home where we were taught well how to manage money. I know I didn't. Um, and when it comes to our, our finances, I believe a... A worthy and godly goal is in the short term to position ourselves to be able to be generous. In the long term, to be able to look after ourselves in retirement. Right? To not have to depend on the government or family members for our survival. Survival. That's the idea. Right? That's what we're aiming towards. Finally, number seven. Habits that lead to effective time management. How we manage our time is so crucial, it affects all the others, and time is the most scarce resource that we have. We can get more money, but we can only get a limited amount of time through looking after our health. David prays this, he says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. In other words, David's saying, God, help me to maintain the perspective that I'm going to die and I have a limited amount of time and I'm going to look back on my life at the end of my life and right now it feels like I've got so much life ahead of me but at the end of my life I'm going to look back and be like, man, where did all the time go? And the older you get, the faster time starts to move and the more wise you grow in this area because your perspective is so different. I remember having the revelation at 21 years old, I, I decided that I wanted to live to be 100 years old. So I, I had one of these... I was in my early 20s and I had one of these uh, like electronic calendars where you could go way into the future. And I went to my 100th birthday. It was like this realization that there it is. That's the day I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It was like this realization. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to die. You know, And it was a very helpful thing. It was like this, okay, this is helpful. I need to number my days. And we realize... Um, if we can approach the year like that, if we can approach our week like that. So this is having disciplines of weekly planning and, and, and scheduling into our life the non-urgent important habits of nutrition, of gym, of spending time with God, of date night, of family day, of you know, investing in discipleship relationships. These are the things that are not screaming at you to be done. But they're the most important things. And if they don't get scheduled into the diary at the beginning of the week, guess what? Doesn't happen.
Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.